We are live, episode 103, Business and Buckets, coming at you on this beautiful Tuesday morning, uh, Tuesday afternoon, uh, basically before I fly out to the desert, to Phoenix, to go scout some rental properties, getting ready to make this move happen by the end of the month, so lots going on, but had to bring you the weekly MMA content as we recap last weekend's UFC Fight Night Vegas 61 card. Talk about some news around the MMA world. Bellator 286. So let's jump right in. And I'm rocking my uh, my Rufus DeSoul shirt. Went and saw Rufus at the Gorge. Phenomenal venue. Amazing show. One of the best live shows I've ever seen. I have seen them a few times before. But the Gorge just hits differently. If you're tuning in, you ever find yourself in Washington State, please check out The Gorge. You will not be disappointed. What a fucking good time I had this weekend. And I'm ready to rock, baby. But before we talk MMA, let's talk the one and only sponsor here at Business at Buckets, and that is Field Supplements. So, fellas, performance is at the top of the list in all categories of our lives. That's why you need counterattack from Field Supplements. Their advanced on-cycle and post-cycle standalone formula is so much more than the average testosterone booster. Counterattack combats estrogen production, supports liver, kidney, and heart health, as well as boosts sex drive, energy levels, and lean muscle mass. So let's face it. We all want to feel like a young, energized version of ourselves. You can increase vitality inside and outside the gym with Counterattack. The missus will thank you guys for it. So don't wait. Go to fieldsupplements.com. Use my promotion code BUCKETS for 15% off. Once again, promotion code BUCKETS, B-U-C-K-E-T-S. And I'll say it again. You're buying supplements. Support small business. Field supplements. Save some money. High quality products. You will not be disappointed. But let's dive right in because we have some bangers that have been booked this past week. We get RoboCop back in. Cut eye. He don't give a fuck. Book me a fight. Give me a ranked opponent. We get Brad Tavares, Gregory, RoboCop Rodriguez, UFC 283. Shit will go down. Can't wait to see that fight. We get Daniel Da Silva versus Venetia Salvador, December 10th. I'm hyped about this because watching this season of Dana White Contender Series, this was my favorite fighter. He has the it factor. He's talented. He's quick. He's lanky. He's everything you would want in a high-level fighter. And I cannot wait to see what Venetia Salvador will do in the UFC. You better tune in. You heard it right here. Speaking of Dana White Contender Series, we will not be recapping that this week because it's over. But I wanted to bring this up because this season... I mean, it, it brought some shit. Obviously, Bo Nickel headlining. I got my guy Venetius. But season six, there was 97 fighters, 49 fights, 43 contracts, plus two later. We had 32 finishes, 22 knockouts, and 10 submissions, 17 uh, decisions. We had the quickest TKO with Claudia Ribeiro with 25 seconds. The quickest submission, Cedricus Dumas, 47 seconds. Bo Nickel with two wins and winners with no UFC contracts, only four fighters. So the people that had a chance at the Dana White Contender Series showed out, and I'm excited to see what they do in the UFC, including Venetia Salvador and Bo Nickel. Can't wait! We have Kelvin Gastelum and Nassordine Amavov, January 14th. 
holy shit, I asked for this fight after Amavov's last fight. I said, if I'm the matchmakers, that's what I'm making. We get that. I think I said that about Gregory Rodriguez with Brad Tavares as well. You know, I, I know what I'm saying out here, but that is going to be a must-see fight. I've been waiting to see Kelvin Gastelum back in the octagon, and we'll see what levels Amavov can reach. Drakkar Close versus Mark Madsen, October 29th. Another fight I thought that should be booked. Uh, this is going to be a classic fight, uh, grappler versus grappler. Uh, I'm sure they'll they'll end up striking it out, but excited for that one. In the heavyweights, we get Chase Sherman versus Josh Parisian, uh, guys that are fighting for their UFC careers. And then fights that we've already known about that weren't quite official, Darren Till, Dricus, De Plusse, and then Figgy Moreno for finalized. Can't wait for those. Darren Till happening in MSG in December. And then Figgy Moreno in Rio de Janeiro. Both of those fights must see TV. Grab your popcorn. Grab your drinks. Grab your howler head. Whatever you got to do. And then we have this one, man. Uh, two guys that look to be mainstays in the UFC for quite some time. They're going to be making moves. Well, someone has to suffer an L here, but we get... Armin Tusarian versus Demir Ismugalov. I mean, golly, what a scrap that's going to be. And then Bo Nickel, give me a fight already. He wants to be at UFC 282. He's taking on the always game, Jamie Pickett, December 10th. That is going to be a lot of fun. Bo Nickel, a UFC rostered fighter. What can he do? And then Bryce Mitchell versus Movsar Evloev is going to be the main event on November 5th. So five-round banger. More action for us MMA fans. Outside of the UFC, no surprise here. I, I saw this coming. This is the only thing that made sense. Aspen Ladd signing with the PFL. Excited to see what she could do in there. Um, obviously, the first thing you think is Aspen Ladd, Kayla Harrison. I mean, I'm sure we'll get to it. Ben Rothwell, ex-UFC heavyweight star, wins in his bare-knuckle boxing debut with a 19-second KO. Put the guy up against the fucking ring. Boom, boom, boom. Knocked him the fuck out. Ben Rothwell. Love to see it. I mean, he's going to be a nasty force in BKFC, man. And then we had Bellator 286. I did not get to watch this one in person. I was at the Gorge living my best life. Uh, 285 was definitely pretty meant to me. Uh, but this seemed like it had some pretty good um, results. Uh, not Nothing too surprising. But uh, Patricio Frieri, with a unanimous decision over Adam Borix, uh, was able to manage him in a five-round championship fight. AJ McKee getting a win in uh, his lightweight debut against Spark Carlisle. He won via unanimous decision as well. Jeremy Kennedy defeating Aaron Pico via injury. TKO, he had a separated shoulder. Hate to see that. But those are some of the big names that had won. Uh, the guy that I was tuning in for, Field Supplements, Josh Morin's friend, Magic Mike, did not get a fight. That, that, that bout was canceled, I believe, due to injury right before the event, sadly. Uh, but some big names. Pitbull is still alive. He's talking about maybe moving into another weight class. And can't wait to see what AJ McKee does at lightweight. But let's talk this past weekend's fight night card. Fights we did not talk about where there were some impressive wins. Joaquin Silva, Daniel Santos getting finishes in their fights. Santos battling back after almost being knocked out in the first round. Uh, honestly surprised he could take some of the shots that he did. 
We had Mike Davis and Rayoni Barcelos with wins as well. They looked good. Maxim Grishin and Felipe Lins was canceled hours before the event. Jessica Penne and Tabitha Ricci off before weigh-ins as well. Two of those fights were going to be my underdog parlay. That shit got scrapped. Um, you know, the UFC, that's why I always make bets after weigh-ins. I knew about the Penne. Had the Lins one on there, that didn't happen. So pretty much ruined my bets uh, before the shit even kicked off. And then there was all the drama about Mark Zuckerberg renting out the Apex Arena. That's why it was closed to media. Well, Zuck was definitely there. Mackenzie brought it up. Uh, Dana White said that's BS. But obviously there was something going on with Zuckerberg as he was there ringside. He had his wife there. And supposedly Mackenzie Dern is his wife's favorite fighter. There's been some viral videos of him hitting the pads. So obviously they're fans. I'm sure that had to be, you know, had to do something with it. Uh, but it was awfully quiet in that arena. I went five and three in picks in the fights that actually went down last Saturday. And we'll start in the prelims. I, I, I took an L right away, and this pretty much busted my parlays. As Guido Canetti got a first-round submission via rear naked choke over Randy Costa. This was a performance of the night. And this one didn't last long. I mean, not a lot to talk about here as Guido was able to get on top Find the next the neck of Costa in under a minute. Brutal loss for Costa at this point, but the veteran had a game plan. He was able to take advantage, so props to him as he is in his 40s and still out here making moves on up-and-coming bantamweight prospects. And although we didn't get to see much from Randy, uh, he is putting himself in, being dan uh, in danger from being cut from the roster at the UFC, so uh, definitely not a good day for Randy Costa. Statistically, Guido only landed eight total insignificant strikes with that takedown and submission attempt compared to Randy's only two total insignificant. So Randy's on a three-fight losing streak. He is two and four in the UFC. He hasn't won since September of 2020. While Guido is now on a two-fight winning streak both this year, 44 years old, ladies and gents. And what's next? I think that Randy could take on Chad um, Anelger, while Guido could take on Journey Newsome, you know, bottom of the barrel in the bantamweight, they're trying to move up. But Guido, how about it? What a night for Guido Canetti. Then we had the first underdog in my parlay. I actually went and put the bet down, and it was an even fight, so I did not get the plus money. But it didn't matter with the other fights getting canceled. Brendan Allen with a first-round submission via rear naked choke over Christoph Jocko, which was another performance of the night. And Brendan Allen showing up. Lots of submissions on this card. Lots of early finishes. And this was a quick one in a night that had a lot of submission victories. The striking was back and forth early. Jocko, as he usually does, throwing a ton of volume at the young Allen. But Allen, man, he's well-rounded. He got the takedown. He was able to get a nice transition to the back, get the neck very smoothly. And that was all she wrote for Christoph Jocko. And you can see he was not very happy with it at the end of the fight. Statistically, Allen landed 12 total and three significant strikes with the takedown. He had that submission attempt and a reversal as well, while Jocko landed 21 total and three significant strikes. So how about Brendan, man? He's on a three-fight winning streak, all of them this year. He is 5-1 and one in his last six fights. And Kristoff has his two-fight winning streak come to an end. He starts a new losing streak. So where do these guys go next? 
Well, how about Allen versus Gerald Mearshart, GM3? That would be a banger. And Jocko, he could take on Ian Heinish. Heinish hasn't had an opponent for quite some time. I think these guys would be a great battle. Both guys should agree to. And um, Jocko try to get back on the winning track there. I was surprised how quick that was. I thought that was going to be like a fight of the night contender. I thought Brendan was going to have to battle. Really surprised he was able to get that takedown and back so easily. Brendan Allen, man. And then the in the prelims, the last fight that I got wrong, Alir Latifi with a unanimous decision over Alexi Olenek. And this was a battle of the grapplers, right? Big heavyweights that love to grapple. The first round, Alir was definitely winning when it came to striking. He was able to take control. He was able to take Olenek down. Both guys, you know, Olenek, a com master of sport and combat sambo and champion, Russian champion. Alir Latifi, lots of grappling accolades. But Olenek wasn't, you know, he gets taken down. He's not scared. He's a nasty motherfucker off his back. All those submission wins on his record. I just didn't feel like he was as aggressive and active on his back as he usually is looking for submissions. But a lot of this could have just been that Latifi knew where to be, right? He's been in these positions before. He had the good posture. He had his head where it needed to be to eliminate those submission attempts from Alexi. As Alir continued to re wrestle and outstrike Olenek for three rounds, you could tell that his cardio was just a little bit in better shape. He was able to grind out the victory. I thought Olenek would find a place within three rounds to get a submission attempt and get a finish, and that was not the case as he was the underdog on that parlay. But statistically, Alir landed 74 total and 38 significant strikes with three takedowns in six attempts, so 50%. That's great. Uh, compared to Alexi's 68 total and 28 significant strikes. Alir now is on a two-fight winning streak. He is 2-3 and three in his last five fights. Alexi starts a new losing streak, and he is 3-4 and four since 2020. So I think Latifi versus Alexander Romanov, that is the fight to make. Two other grapplers, a young up-and-comer versus a veteran. Or maybe Bogoy Ivanov, who is in the rankings, um... Yeah, I mean, Alir's right there in the top 15. Give him a tough opponent. This was a huge win for him. And for Alexi, he could take on the struggling Tanner Bozer. That would be a fun fight. All kinds of different styles. You could only imagine where that one would go. And then in the main card, Sadiq Youssef with a first-round submission via guillotine choke over the UFC debuter Don Shanus. And this was super fast. This was like a 30-second submission. Sadiq came out looking great. You know, he'd been preparing for Giga Chikadze. That didn't happen. He was supposed to get a fight last minute, the, uh, the last fight night. That didn't happen. He gets Don Shanus. He gets the easy win and shows Don how the UFC goes about it. Business. But Sadiq was in complete control, got the 30-second submission. It only took him nine total and significant strikes with that submission attempt. Don landed nine total strikes and three significant of his own. But Sadiq is now on a two-fight winning streak, both this year and 2022. Don starts a new losing streak and is 0-1 in his UFC tenure. I think you got to rebook Giga and Sadiq. That's the fight to happen. I think that could happen late this year. And for Don, how about Charles Rosa? Welcome to the UFC. Don Shanus. Sadiq, super Yusuf, making slight work there. And then we had Randy Brown with a unanimous decision over Francisco Trinaldo. And this fight was Randy just winning the striking exchanges, 
Trinaldo doing a lot of leg kicks, man. Those calf kicks were getting to Randy. He got a big takedown in round one, but Brown had the bigger moments. He was able to get a submission attempt in round one where he almost got the finish, and this was after a big shot to Francisco, knocked his ass on the canvas, and um, Randy was cruising early. But I was impressed on the performance of both fighters. I mean, Trinaldo, 44 years old, still battling, still still fighting. That is very impressive against a very good Randy Brown. Statistically, Brown landed 65 total and 60 significant strikes. He did have a submission attempt and a reversal, plus that knockdown. Francisco landed 82 total and 40 significant strikes with the takedown. He did have four attempts uh, uh, on the takedowns. So now Randy, he's on a four-fight winning streak, two of them this year in 2022. Francisco has his two-fight winning streak come to an end. He starts a new losing streak. So where are these fighters going next? How about Randy Brown, Gunnar Nelson? That would be a ton of fun. And how about Francisco Trinaldo and Miguel Baeza? Not of lack of fights in this middleweight division. Brown looking hot. I mean, Francisco, though, is a tough bitch, and he's going to keep coming at you. Give him the young Beza who's looking to right the ship. And then the main event of the evening, we had Shaunan Yan with a majority decision over Mackenzie Dern. And this fight was a great fight. I expected these to be pretty even uh, women in the octagon. They have a little bit different strengths and weaknesses, but I knew that this would probably go all five and be a fucking war. And that's what it was. Jan bringing out a ton of volume as she likes to do. A big range of kicks, lots of leg kicks, side kicks, high thigh kicks to McKenzie to keep her at range. She knows McKenzie wants this to go to the, to the mat. That's Jan's weakness. So she used her leg kicks to keep her at range. McKenzie was able to deliver her own shots early on in the fight, but couldn't quite keep up with the volume and the amount of significant strikes. The pace these women had for five rounds, golly, their cardio is next level. I was massively impressed. You shouldn't be you know, too surprised. Shin, Shin, Xiao Nan has a fucking sculpted six-pack. McKenzie's been there with a lot of people already. Um, but Dern had her chances, man. In round two, she dominated. She was able to get on top, lock in a couple different submission attempts, look to be able to potentially get one, but Jan was able to defend to the bell. In round five, you could tell McKenzie was just getting, you know, upset with not being able to land her shots, fight her fight. She was, you know, pushing forward, but Jan kept landing those kicks, keeping her at distance and piecing her up, man, because the speed was just, you know, Jan definitely had the speed advantage. Well, Dern was able to get the takedown, get on top, work the back. She had her on, I, I want to say, a minute 45, had her back with hooks in, getting ready to sink in some, some submissions. And you're like, this is it. McKenzie's going to steal the victory away, but wasn't able to do it. So massive props to Jan and all that work in her grappling because she was able to defend against one of the best, especially in this division. But a huge win for Jan, man. I was impressed by both women. Their cardio, massively impressive. Their, their ability to withstand damage. Their ability to, to rack up combos. I just thought Dern, if she really was going to get this victory, needed to get a takedown earlier. Focus on the wrestling. Don't let this be a two, three round striking battle. Then you're too tired to get a good takedown and, and, and uh, take advantage of your skill set. 
But, you know, she, she, she gave it her all. She was wrestling. She was grappling. But I think I would come out early looking to get those hips down, look, looking to get on top. Um, I think, you know, the, the striking in this strawweight division is really, really good at the top level. And I think everyone wants to be able to show that their striking is good as well. But sometimes you just got to focus on what you're good at. And you can't, you know, try to win a striking battle against a girl that is so quick and is willing to throw the volume that Jan did. Dern landed 224 total strikes and 61 significant. She did have two takedowns, although 11 attempts. And a lot of those attempts were just kind of like leg sweeps, off the cage, right? Trying to get a throw. Again, I just want to see classic wrestling go for one, two, three takedown attempts in the first round. You know, empty that gas tank out from Jan and, and land some stuff that I think that would have paid off really far further down the line. Um, I didn't even write down Jan's stats, man. Jan had some stats. We got we got to bring these up. I mean, Dern landed 224 shots. That's pretty crazy. Jan landed 151 total and 113 significant strikes of her own. So again, the volume, the pace. I know you look at the stats. Those always are misleading sometimes. Dern landed 220, 224 to Jan's 115. But majority of that 224 came at the end of round five where she was on top, grounded and pounded. So Shaunan starts a new winning streak after a two-fight losing streak. She moves up one spot in the rankings to number five. Dern starts a new losing streak and is one and two in her last three fights. She moves down one spot to number six. So what's next? How about Jan versus Rose Nama Yunus? I think that makes sense why Carla just defends her title. And for Dern, I'd love her, love to see her take on Jessica Andrade. Either way, both women in for major opponents. Um, you know, the, the top of this division, got to, we got to see where the dominoes fall. Either way, this division is the best division in women's MMA and can't wait to see how it all plays out. Sadly, this weekend, another week off of MMA and UFC. I know, it's so brutal. Uh, but the next Saturday, we get a deep, and I mean a pretty fucking deep, you know, as long as there's not a bunch of fight cancellations. Fight night card back in Vegas. It's a 4 p.m. main card start, and it's headlined by Alexa Grasso and Vivian Arahu on the 15th of October, right before the Abu Dhabi October 22nd UFC stacked card. Two title fights. The Sugar Show back in action. Can't wait. Again, you need some energy boost. You're wanting to get shredded. Fueledsupplements.com. Check them out. You will not be disappointed. Episode 103. We out here. Going to Arizona soon. About to rebrand this MMA-ish and the business-ish. Stay tuned, y'all. See you guys next week. Peace.